Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy uh, Syracuse Basketball uh, New Recruit uh, Week. Happy Syracuse Football Hostable Out of Recruits Week. Uh, we'll hopefully pay dividends uh, in the coming days, as we talked last week. Happy uh, early 4th of uh, July uh, week. I guess it'll be, well, the 4th is happening the day before we record next, so... Yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun things uh, going on here in the Syracuse world and the greater world. Happy uh, Euros for everyone watching uh, the soccer tournament. Yeah, very much. I don't know that we... France losing. I, I did too. Uh, it was a, <laughs> a terrible day today, just generally. Um, I don't know how many listeners we have uh, that are fans of the Phoenix Suns and Milwaukee Bucks uh, or Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Clippers, probably not many, and also they're kind of toast. Um, but yeah, happy happy week to all of you as well. <laughs> and the and Mets are still in first place. Yeah, the, the Mets remain in first place despite despite all efforts not to be. Despite uh, the fact that they bought a store, they store about two runs a game, maybe maybe three. The, 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 they realize that having good pitching isn't enough unless you test it uh, to the utmost. So so, so that's yeah, actually the, the the challenge that they're working on right now. Yes, they're forging their pitching in the in the hottest fires, <laughs> um, as they do every year because. Uh, yeah, it's not great. Uh, hopefully, uh, all of the rolling slumps will end at once and we'll make the playoffs. But uh, not the most fun. Not the most fun offensive team, but they are winning against a lot. So good for them. Um, yes. So they're losing tonight as we record. I did see that before we started. Um, that was Matt's talk for the week. Uh, Dan, one thing I wanted to get uh, ahead of before we started was just uh, the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Um, after John Rothstein started sending out, you know, his, his customary, uh, random <laughs> tweets, uh, about the matchups one by one, um, it, it, it should, should have surprised no one that the ACC had a press release ready to go. Um, get that within, engagement, John. <laughs> within an hour. Uh, no, well, J- John understands, uh, how this works. If you put out a tweet for each individual matchup, you'll get those two teams and, and, and all their media more likely to tweet about it. Um, than if you just put out a large list of teams, um, which he does at the end, but it's just not as. Uh, I just don't feel like it's it's as impactful. It's not, you gotta love the person who at the, either the ACC or the Big Ten who decides that John Rothstein, he's the one who deserves uh, this info thirty minutes before it breaks. <laughs> and need to get those get those retweets. Yeah, because realistically, like I mean, is 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 it the same person coordinating a leak? Is it somebody the same person just? deciding they're going to leak it and don't really care what happens next. Uh, is it the same person every year is, or is it someone losing their job every year because somebody found out they leaked it? I'm, I'm, I'm very curious uh, to see how the, uh, the, the John Rothstein always announces the ACC big 10 challenge um, dynamics happen. Yeah. Cause you know, if you don't give it to Jeff Borzello or Jeff Goodman, like they're probably going to tweet them all at once, but Rothstein, he's the one he, he knows. He knows what the people want, and that is individual tweets uh, spaced out by a couple minutes. Um, just the flair for the dramatic, for sure. He's, he's definitely pretty good at that. Um, but yeah, Syracuse <laughs> will be facing Indiana, uh, which is not a surprising matchup uh, based on the possibilities. Um, again, SU will be the home team in this one. They were on the road last year um, against Rutgers. SU's lost two straight in the uh, ACC Big Ten Challenge. They lost to Rutgers last year on the road, and then Iowa at home. Uh, the year before. So it hasn't really been a great um, ACC Big Ten challenge for Syracuse. They're three and five in the event. Um, Indiana, on the other hand, is eight and 12 all time um, in the event. 
Dan, I don't know if you have the list in front of you of this year's matchups, uh, but the one team in the ACC not to make it this time around is uh, too little surprise, uh, Boston College, who will once again not be participating in it for, I feel like, the umpteenth year in a row. I feel like it's BC or like occasionally Wake Forest. <laughs> like every BC, year. Wake, and then I think Va Tech like opted out one year. I think Pitt missed it once because Pitt's had, you know, the, that kind of uh, five-year stretch. Um, but yes, that's basically, and Vatek, I think had it was out like the year they were really bad in between all these good years, but yeah, no, that's pretty much how it goes. Yeah. So, uh, this year, three year, three day event, uh, November 29th, the 30th and the first, which I feel like is actually rough timing for us. Cause I think we're in the Bahamas like the week before that. It's always just like part of the schedule is always super crowded. Like, I feel like all of our big non-conference games end up getting like slated for the same two week stretch instead of like. It'd be kind of nice if we could pepper them in a little bit more spread out through like early November and then like into December. But but it feels like we have like a run of like the, the nothing games and then the like big games are all in that like Thanksgiving-ish area, even like with the tournament that we're always in. And then we end up doing like the like couple weeks of of more like like uh, body bad games. And you you I kind of wish like we were better at sprinkling in um, the bigger games later. But I think part of it's that we haven't really scheduled a lot of uh, one-off or like series like that anymore. Like we used to have those series like Florida and stuff. And now we've kind of relied on uh, our, our early season tournaments and our big 10 challenge game, um, which is like, okay. But like, you know, hopefully uh, as we maybe ramp up competitiveness, we can like start adding in, um, you know, another either like old rivalry uh, and get that back going or um, a couple other games, but it's also hard because now we have an expanded ACC schedule um, as of last year. So uh, that's kind of how the tricky crumbles, I guess. Um, but it would be nice to, to, to have things kind of like uh, like a more even distribution in the early season schedule, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, looking at it, Atlantis is the 24th to the 26th of November, and then we're playing on the 30th against Indiana. Uh, not really a whole lot of uh, lead time there. Basically, have three games in three days, and then we'll have, you know, one day to fly back a couple days and then we'll be against Indiana. The Tuesday night slate is actually pretty good. Um, we're in the top three games, I would say. Duke, Ohio State, Florida State, Purdue, probably getting a little bit bigger headlines. Uh, so I would expect SU to be in like the, the earlier time slot on ESPN, if I had to guess uh, right now, just because A, you know, Syracuse, any game involving Syracuse and, and like a Big Ten school is is, is almost certainly going to draw eyeballs, but especially a Syracuse-Indiana matchup that's had some interesting moments over the years. Um, but you look at the other options, it's Clemson-Rutgers, Minnesota-Pitt, Northwestern-Wake Forest. Doesn't seem likely, so I think we end up seeing, yeah, I think we get an early slot, and then we probably have, um, you know, like dueling, uh, like later primetime games uh, between Duke and Ohio State and Florida State-Purdue. I think it helps that like Indiana Syracuse, while it's not a game we see all that often, does have some juice. Like I think, obviously on our end, we have uh, a little bit of acrimony in that direction for uh, the Final Four. Um, on the other side of things, the 2013 run, like you still see Indiana fans uh, reference that uh, with disdain um, because that was like the the most recent time or the, mo- the really the only year in like the last couple of decades where they've had like a real contender, and obviously we bludgeoned them to death in Washington that that year. So. Um, and then even like the the Big Ten Challenge game a couple of years ago at the Dome where we beat them up pretty good and had that weird situation with that fan in the stands. Um, yeah, so it's been a uh, it's been like an interesting. It's always it always tends to be interesting and eventful when these two get together. So um, I certainly enjoy it. I think it's a a nice series to have. It has more juice than like 
even like the Wisconsin games we've had a bunch recently or the Iowa game a couple years ago, like even when like Iowa's pretty good, it doesn't have that name um, that like Indiana does, even if Indiana's not that good. And Indiana's going to be a real question mark this year because they have a new coach. Um, obviously, my, uh, Mike Woodson was uh, not their first choice, but he's an Indiana guy. He's an NBA guy. So that's always a question transitioning down to the college game. Um, they're going to have a new-ish roster. Um, they do have uh, Trace, uh, Trace Jackson Davis coming back, which is good for them. They get Xavier Johnson from Pitt, who's familiar with us. But um, there's no guarantee this team is, like, ready for prime time in year one. Um, but also Syracuse is going to have plenty of questions, too. So I think uh, both of these teams, this will be a good measuring stick, I think, for both sides. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think this is uh, definitely the year to get Indiana. Uh, for us, I doubt we'd, like, get them any time in the, like, next few years since we've already played them in this event and now we're playing them here again. Both of those iterations were at the Dome for reasons. Um, I'm sure Indiana, there's some Indiana fans probably with, with, with a lot of angst about that. Um, but yeah, I'll definitely take Indiana over only like these are the only schools I would want um, other than Indiana, Michigan, Michigan state, Michigan state was out this year because um, we're both in the battle for Atlantis field. Um, they probably wouldn't want to see a redux of the Iowa game. I didn't want to see us against Rutgers again, uh, just because we just faced them. So really beyond like a hand, like those teams, like Wisconsin's the only other one. And even then, like we faced them back to back years. So there aren't really a ton of, and this is an issue for, I think, a lot of different schools and a lot of different matches, but there aren't really a ton of, uh, like, games that that work for certain schools, like Duke, North Carolina, um, probably Michigan, Michigan State are the only schools that really, like Virginia, I guess, too, are the only schools that are really going to generate a ton of interest, um, no matter who they're facing. And, but obviously there's just the way they try to match up opponents too, with like relative strength to relative strength. So, you know, you don't want to have like a Duke uh, Northwestern game necessarily. Uh, even if there's potentially like some, some cultural similarities, realistically um, that's going to be, you know, a, a blowout year in and year out. So I, I think Indiana is a, a good team to face in this event. And I'm a fan of, of having them on the schedule this year. And I know, I know I mentioned in the post, but this pretty much finalizes the list of opponents as long as Colgate and Cornell are on the list, because that would make, um, you know, 11 uh, non-conference games this year. So challenging slate, um, but a good one, an interesting one for fans um, who want to see like some, some new teams, but also some, some of the established ones uh, seeing, you know, th- what will be three of the old Big East rivals uh, should be fun, even if none of them are actually at the Dome, which I'm sure is something that will become a common complaint um, by the fan base come November. Yeah, it'd be nice to have one of them at the Dome, but you know we're going to, A, we're going to have our, our non-conference tournament, and you're going to have a game, either MSG or Barclays, every year. So it's kind of like the obvious game to put there, unfortunately. Um, but it is nice when you kind of mix it up. Like like a couple, the first couple of years outside of the Big East, when we would have like Villanova at the Dome, but UConn at, at MSG or Georgetown at uh, you know Verizon Center. But UConn at, uh, I don't know, UConn hasn't been at the Dome, I don't think. I think they've always been in New York. Yeah, or in, in New York, or in the Bahamas. Or, yeah, New York, Bahamas. Um, were they in the Bahamas in 2016 too? I feel what like it that? hasn't been at the Dome or any in any. In any where, the, yeah, where the hell was that game? Because there was that. That was that was in the tournament. That was in the Bahamas, I believe. Yes, it was another Bahamas game. Yeah, so it'd be nice to get them up to the Dome or get like uh, you know Villanova back in the schedule in a couple of years when they're done with this like little national championship rotation that I don't like. 
Um, but overall, like, you know, it's, it's a solid schedule. Uh, and it's nice that a, a prime opponent like Indiana at the Dome, because I think that'll that'll help. I think that'll, if things are going early, are doing well early. Uh, what day of the week is this game? It's uh, Tuesday. Yeah, it's not how it hurts, but I think you'll, if, if, uh, Tuesday, sorry. If, if Syracuse looks good early and Indiana looks decent, like, you'll probably see like 26,000 there, which, which is, a, I mean, obviously after last year, it's exciting, but in general, like, you'll have some decent buzz for this game, so. Um, yeah, it should be a fun one. Um, and, and I agree. I think it's one of the better names, uh, we could have drawn, uh, compared to like some of the other options, um, out there. So yeah, I think fans should get into it. Hopefully as long as the team is playing well. Yeah. Agreed. Um, a little bit more on the basketball front before we get to halftime, at least, uh, some good news over the weekend for men's basketball, uh, four-star, uh, wing, Justin Taylor, uh, committed to the orange. He's a top 100 guy. Um, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite. He's number 56, according to 24-7's own rankings, which is uh, a nice upgrade there over the 84th he is overall. Uh, the, the, the big thing for me here is that he uh, he's from Charlottesville, so took him right out of UVA's backyard. UVA was in the top five for him uh, toward the end, along with Vatek, Indiana, um, and North Carolina. So, you know, r- really nice to go up against those schools um, and be able to, again, take a talent right out of the Virginia area. I, I think the fact that now we have like two solid wings between him and Kamari lands already uh, makes things a lot less stressful uh, the rest of the way, because it, it's not that it's not, that it's going to be easy to land a point guard and, and, and a certified big, but um, at the same time, if, if you swung and missed here, you didn't necessarily have another great option at wing. And now you're trying to fill a wing and a guard spot and a point guard spot. I think here now, like they have three potential options, a point guard. Uh, and I think it'll be, you know, first to commit um, out of those guys. And, and and then, you know, as far as bigs, I think there's limited options, um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I, I'd love to land a really solid four man class um, at, at the high school ranks. Um, and I know like, this is our first, this is the first like legit class really in a while. Um, you know, right now we have more top 100 guys in this recruiting class than we do on the current roster. Uh, which is uh, either interesting or damning. I'm not sure which. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think this is definitely has the makings of a really good class, especially if we land one of those point guards. And it feels like we're in pretty good shape with a number of them. So odds, I, I feel good that we're going to get our one of them. Um, it's nice to have like kind of an established, uh, you know, two wing situation here. And, and Tamari lands obviously feels like a classic Syracuse forward. Justin Taylor feels like, I mean, A, he looks like Buddy Beheim. Like, that's the joke we made a million times, but he looks just like Buddy Beheim. Uh, he's kind of built like Buddy Beheim. He shoots the ball supposedly like Buddy Beheim. So um, that's an exciting piece to slide in here as well. Um, and that's like the kind of, it, it's kind of like merging like the old school Syracuse, like big rangy wink who can cut to the basket, uh, hopefully block some shots weak side with like the new school, like prolific shooter. So I, I'm, I'm really liking the makings of this class. It's cool to see. Syracuse in the top four uh, of 24-7's rankings. I think they're number three in terms of the site's like individual rankings without the composite. Um, but yeah, there's still work to do. Um, but if we can, you know, this is the kind of class that we were used to seeing for a long time. Um, and I think this will be, you know, we have the makings of another top 10-15 class, and that's what Syracuse uh, should be used to getting. Um, you know, we, we that was what we were doing when we were making, you know, pretty regular trips to the Sweet 16, to the Elite Eight, 
being in the top 25, like that that consistency year over year that we've talked about that we want to see along with the deep tournament runs because I think those will get more be deep tournament runs. So definitely good news. It's exciting to get this one off the board. Um, and also just really cool to beat out like the Indianas and North Carolinas, obviously Virginia for a Charlottesville kid. Um, really good signs all around. I think this is a, a really big recruiting win, and I'm, I'm thrilled that it happened. And good on uh, Autry for for Tennessee on the deal here. I think he was his – he was his lead recruiter. I'm sure GMAC helped play a part here as well. Um, and as we, you know, it's hard to ignore the, with, with Coach Tay retiring and Roy Williams retiring, it's hard to ignore the, like, constant uh, what happens after Bayheim uh, stuff. And if we're going to go internal with it, which a lot of people think is probably the case, like, I, we've said it, like, it, it would be awesome to hire another Syracuse guy, but the guys on staff, we need to see, we need to see them have, start to have the kind of success that Mike Hopkins had before he was, given that uh, coach and waiting title. Like, it can't just be, you know, Jerry's job because he's on staff and because we want to hire another Syracuse guy. Like, Jerry needs to really start to pick it up. Or if it's Autry, Autry, you know, we, we need to see that, like, really high-level recruiting continue. So um, hopefully this is a, another step towards that. And and one of those guys can earn, like, that that right to to be the next guy because that's going to be a really tricky situation. And obviously Duke just – just hired John Shire, which is like probably more crazy than either Autry or Jerry getting the job. He's does less experience than both those guys. But uh, I kind of still humble firm with like, I'm, I'm totally for it as long as like, it doesn't feel like a stretch and uh, yeah, more four stars, more five stars. Uh, Benny Williams have a good year that, you know, some more of these guys in, then we can definitely start to have those conversations as we near the, the end of the Bayheim tenure, whenever that comes. I completely agree here. And, you know, like there's still like so many guys, um, that we're in on, I know, um, just like going on the list a little bit, some guys who have had recent visits, uh, JJ Starling, Chance Westry, uh, Donovan Klan, uh, was there. I know, uh, Kyle Filipowski, uh, visited, I believe recently. Um, I know he got a Duke offer today, which I mean, maybe not the same death knell that it once was, but, uh, that, 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 that's usually typical where I feel like. Syracuse looks like they're trending well with, with like somebody uh, who they like recently offered in the last couple of months. And then the Duke offer comes in and you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> I see how this is going to go. Um, Kadir Copeland, um, another guy uh, who recently visited campus. I think that's most of the, yeah, that's really like the main guys. Taylor was another one who recently visited campus and obviously that helps seal the deal. Um, in, in, in general, I'd be, again, like I said before, great to land, you know, two of those guys, I know uh, Filipowski and, uh, and Klingon are both bigs. It'd be great to get one of them. And, and, you know, any of the guards I mentioned, uh, it'd be great to get uh, some of those guys, but the fact that these visits seem to be going well, SU's had, and we'll get to the football stuff on the other end of um, the podcast, but it seems like the, uh, the visits are, are you know, streaming in now that, you know, things are more open you know, there's, there's fewer issues with getting guys on campus now than there once was. And I think that's definitely something that, uh, you know, both the, both Bayheim staff and, and, you know, Baber staff are taking advantage of here. Yeah. It, for basketball, it kind of feels like a couple, like over the last few years, we've had like these really high level guys targeted and we missed on them when there was like a late Duke offer or something. Uh, we didn't have a great plan B. And this year it feels like we have like two or three options for all of these positions that we need to fill, which is a much better place to be um, to like, be in the mix with like a bunch of guys so that when like, you know, say uh, Philip Kowski ends up going to Duke because he has that late offer, you know, we have other options. Uh, but, but, you know, in years past, it felt like if we, if we missed with like option A, then it was just like, we had to write the option C, which is not where you want to be. Not to, not to uh, put down any of the option C's because like some of those guys worked out 
like spectacularly. Obviously, there's the famous Hakeem Ward story, but um, you don't want to like make a habit of it if you can avoid it. So it's good to it's good to be in the midst with so many talented players where like you miss out on three and there's still you know two or three guys who are who are heavily in the mix and aren't like radically different level uh, recruits. So hopefully, knock on wood, hopefully we uh, we keep things going, momentum going forward, and and put together a nice year so we can kind of have a, a nice flourish at the end of, of Bayheim's uh, last few years here. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Dan, on that note, why don't we talk a little bit about beer here at halftime before we get to some football? Nice. Um, I got to uh, pick up some uh, some Jersey stuff here down the shore. Um, had some boat beer by Carton, just a super, I probably bring that one up every couple, every summer, definitely. Um, just a super reliable, super drinkable uh, session IPA from Carton Brewing, which is arguably the best New Jersey brewery. I know there are some others that can, can take that mantle. Also picked up some Surfer's Blood, uh, which is a lemon, raspberry lemonade sour from Last Wave in Point Pleasant, uh, one of my favorite shore breweries. Um, I'm excited to go down to the new Heavy Reel. Uh, I talked about them a lot last summer. They kind of specialize in smoothie uh, sours and do some uh, some good stout stuff. Uh, they just opened up a new space uh, in down in Seaside, so I'm excited to get over there and actually be able to like pop in uh, because last summer it was all takeout, as you can imagine. Um, and then I was at uh, City Field last week. I got some, uh, they had some Lawson's of the Sunshine, which I've now had a couple weeks in a row. Um, also had some Pulp Art from uh, uh, Brooklyn Brewery, which was quite delicious, a nice hazy IPA. Um, also, uh, just for the summer, it's not the most high-level beer, but a nice 25-ounce can of uh, Line and Kugel Summer Shandy. <laughs> uh, not bad for a, a nice uh, nice night, night at the ballpark, although the game was, was pretty terrible. Um, so, yeah, solid, solid week, week plus, and then uh, we'll get back into even more Jersey stuff this week because I'll be down down the shore for uh, through the fourth, which will be fun. Very nice. Um, I didn't have like a ton of variety necessarily this weekend. I did up a few items. Uh, Monkish buy sell trade. I know I mentioned them last week. Um, from modern times, I had Forbidden Chance uh, Banana Barca Lounger Edition. It was a uh, pretty chock full of uh, fruit flavors. Sour. There was what the hell was in here. There's a lot of different things. Banana was one of them, um, and and I might not, I might not recommend putting banana in sours going forward. To be honest, it was fine, but uh, that's an interesting that's an interesting myth. Like maybe if you have like another sour, more sour, like a like a raspberry or a there were a lot of those. More... There was like 17 fruits in this thing. I just feel like they might have like hmm. gone one too many. Possibly, but breweries though, you know, some of them tend to go big. Yeah, you just you just try some different stuff. Doesn't um, always well, work. No. Had a Celador's Tapash Seltzer that I mentioned uh, last week. And then I had from Modern Times. This one was actually really enjoyable. Uh, Benevolent Demon. It was a collab with uh, Great Notion. It was a dessert porter with vanilla beans, cocoa nibs, hazelnuts, and coffee. Uh, really wasn't like too sweet, though. Eight and a half percent porter, but it tasted like it was maybe six percent. Uh, so really enjoyable drink there. Um, that was really it for me. I know this weekend and the upcoming weekend, I'm probably not going to have like a ton of variety necessarily. I'm just trying to get through what's in the fridge. Um, I'll be in Chicago in a couple weekends. So at least we'll be able to, uh, to share some, some of the Chicago brews that I'll be able to be enjoying while I'm out there. Nice, nice, nice. I'll be in Philly, so I'll hopefully pick up some of those uh, nice. in a couple of weeks. So we're, we're traveling out here. Get some, uh, got to get some tired hands while you're out there. Ooh, yes, definitely. Tired hands goes out here, here, and there. Like, they get, like, we have, for, I, I'm sure it happens about you guys, too. Like, there's, like, a random, like, oh, like, once a year shipment that just arrives um, from, like, from a really good brewery. And you don't know how it got there. You don't question it. And you just 
you just buy it if it's there. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's like if there's something that I know like seems like it shouldn't be there, you and it, and you know it's a quality place, like you kind of need to grab it. Yeah, hundred percent. That's like how I started like seeing a uh, main beer company pop up out here, here and there. Like, yeah, I mean any, anything main like yeah. anywhere. Like that's one of those like if it's on a menu and there's not something like just definitively better, like you're probably going to grab a lunch or uh, one of the other, like, I mean, everything from Maine's excellent. The Peeper Ale, always like a, always a go-to. Agreed, agreed. Um, so Dan, staying on the recruiting front, um, talking a little bit about uh, football here. I'm not going to spoil who these players are, but um, anyone who's been following some of the crystal ball chatter um, online knows that there's probably three players at least from recent um, recruiting visits um, who are going to commit um, in the next week or so. I know if you follow some of the Syracuse football staff on Twitter, uh, there's been a lot of oranges being tweeted around. Um, it seems like three guys, at least right now, there could be more. Um, but again, you can feel, feel free to educate yourselves if, if you'd like to see who those, who those players are. I'm sure we'll be hearing announcements uh, in the coming days. Uh, Dan and I mentioned last week, uh, for those listening, that you know, we kind of said if SU couldn't you know, secure a, a couple commits out of um, out of this recent rash of visits, then perhaps there's some concerns. I, I think those concerns are at least sort of put to bed um, securing these guys, even if I wouldn't necessarily say that, like, we're still not landing, uh, like, the high, high three-star guys yet. We still haven't heard from um, Henry Bielen, our, like, lone, legit uh, quarterback uh, target uh, right now. So names like that would all be great. Um, to hear from is uh, we start getting deeper into this uh, recruiting class process. It'd be great to to have more than four guys. I mean, ultimately, I, I think it, it's not necessarily a, a quantity conversation as much as a, a, a quality. But at the same time, you know, the more guys who are signed on, the more guys who are like top 500 or so um, in the class early, uh, the better signal you send to, you know, other top 500 guys who are kind of taking it slow. Um, that Syracuse is putting together a solid class and that the future is a lot brighter than what we saw in the field the last couple of years. Yeah, we went into it a lot last week. Like, obviously, things are kind of delayed in terms of the normal ebbs and flows of a recruiting cycle because there just wasn't a lot of in-person recruiting. And and understandably, a lot of guys uh, have held out and probably haven't committed as early as they may have in a normal year because they couldn't go to a junior day. They couldn't go. They couldn't get, like, a great sense of – of who these coaches are, what this school is like in person. And that's like huge. Like, obviously we, we, we saw last year, there were some like leaf of faith guys and like, you know, bless them for that. But I, I personally, if I was a football recruit, I would not commit uh, without having seen a school and without having met coaches in person, uh, if I could at all avoid it. And I know that's tough with COVID, especially last season. Um, because those guys like didn't really have a choice. They kind of had to do what they had to do um, this year. Now that things are opening up and, and, you know, hopefully, we are beyond like the worst of COVID. Obviously it's still out there. Everyone, you know, please very heavily consider getting vaccinated if you have not already. Um, now that things are like a little safer, now that we just have a better understanding of how things work and there are more in-person visits and we had this wave of them, um, it makes sense that we're going to hopefully see this, uh, you know, we hinted at last week, like hopefully we'll get a handful of commits. It looks like we are on that path based on what the coaches have said. Uh, and generally if they start tweeting out oranges, like you kind of know what that means. Um, so yeah, uh, it, it, you have to wait to see who, who exactly it is. Obviously, if you have like insider access places, you can get a good sense of it. But um, no, I think we're, we're seeing the things that last week we said we needed to see uh, in order for this to not like get really worrisome. So hopefully this time next week, we'll have a really uh, 
a much fuller picture of what this class is starting to look like. But I think uh, it's all good news right now. I think this has been a very good week uh, for both for both major men's programs. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, just some of the we don't we won't go into like we can find coverage about this um, various spots um, around the internet, but. Um, a couple guys that were on campus recently, football-wise, uh, Kanye Varner, uh, somebody who I want just because of the Kanye jokes we can make for four to five years. Uh, Jordan Anthony, uh, Jeremiah Wilson was on. Uh, Manny Powell's a name that we brought up here and brought up on the site a couple times. He's a linebacker who SU has been in on for a while. Um, I think he's got a Louisville offer. I uh, would very much like to uh, secure his commitment uh, as soon as we can. Um, some of the other um, visits in the last like couple weeks, uh, Chad Schuster, Quan Peterson, uh, Greg Delane, K.R. Price, uh, DJ Jackson, defensive lineman, uh, Deontay Hunter, who I always want to say DeAndre Hunter every time I see his name. Um, I know uh, Makaya Kapoi, who uh, is from the St. Louis School in Hawaii, uh, a school that SU is getting increasingly familiar with um, after not having a Hawaii uh, scholarship player like ever um, like two years ago, and now suddenly we're we're all about um, Hawaiian players. You could thank uh, Dino and his time in Hawaii for that. Um, but yeah, that's just the kind of a sampling of some of the guys who've been on campus lately. I think in general, SU is going to keep pushing uh, throughout this summer, and I'd, I'd love to see. And we've done this in I think, the last couple of years, really, around Fourth of July weekend. Um, it's a big recruiting weekend um, in terms of um, commitment dates for guys, and there's a lot of players who've uh, been on campus recently who've published that they'll be uh, making decisions in the next week or two. So uh, like previous years, we should see a, a pretty solid, um, you know, collection of, of commits, hopefully like three to five guys in the next week or two. Um, and that, that gets us closer to 10 or, or so for the class. And we start kind of seeing, you know, what are the needs left? Um, who have we kind of fallen off on? Um, I know we already have two defensive backs. Um, so it gets you at least starting to wonder, how we're trending towards with some of the uh, with some of the higher four star guys, well, the higher three star and four star guys um, in the secondary. I know for something I noticed right away, like this class, it seemed that SU was trying, you know, trying for bigger swings at various spots. But but because of our track record with, with the secondary of late, it does seem like SU is trying to get a higher, um, you know, talent, a higher talent level um, in at corner and at sec and at safety. Um, in, in, in this class in particular, and, and so far hasn't necessarily, and it's not to knock the guys in, in, in the door already, but um, so far hasn't necessarily, um, you know, come to pass, but still plenty of time in this class. Yeah, you got to really hope that uh, that the coaches can tell the story, especially with that position, because obviously they've had a ton of success identifying and developing talent there, and there's still plenty of talent on campus. And like, I mean, it shouldn't be that hard to sell A, coming to a Power 5 conference, and B, coming to a very aggressive playmaking system for uh, cornerbacks and safeties where they can pick off, you know, seven passes in a year. They can uh, do laterals for touchdowns. Like there's a lot of freedom in the way that Syracuse has played defense, especially in the defensive back spot. So you'd think that was attractive for those guys. So we'll see. Um, hopefully, hopefully the success that we had in the NFL draft this year, unfortunately we couldn't quite sneak like a first round guy, which is like a bit splashy thing, but um, that's no like, you know, there's no shame of being a second or third round NFL draft pick. That's a big deal. And uh, being able to go from like being a three-star talent uh, and a largely unknown guy to, uh, you know, an all-American level player uh, like Andre Sisto was, or uh, if he was, um, there's a lot to that. So hopefully the coaches are effectively getting that information out there and, and getting those highlights out there and 
showing what defensive bats can do in the system. Because like, if you have a really good defensive backfield, I know it didn't manifest in wins this year, but more often than not, that's a really tough position to to uh, to recruit to develop, especially with how the how wide open the team is now. So you know, I'll, I'll take my swings with with hopefully bringing in talented players there. I think it'll be it'll it'll help you be very successful more often than not. Dan, appreciate you hopping on. Um, anything else before we go? No, shout out. Uh, I don't think we talked about Taylor Trainer last week, so uh, shout out to her. We'll obviously get into that uh, hopefully next week. I know we're cutting them. We have a little short this week, but uh, cool to see her come back. Uh, cool for uh, Tumalo, to, who was you know on that list to get the Army job today. So really cool stuff happening in the women's lacrosse space. And obviously, as we said a lot in the last couple of weeks, that's our, uh, that's our best program right now. So um, shout out for that program. Uh, and yeah, just uh, excited. Hopefully we'll have a lot of uh, more solidified recruiting news uh, next week to discuss. Uh, and uh, hopefully everyone has a, a good, fun, safe 4th of July. Agreed, agreed. Well, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Try News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, Megaphone, uh, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, Riverless the Podcasts, and Go Orange. Go Orange.